If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The whistleblower was missing. Now he's been found. Kevin McCarthy, is he going to do anything? Julie Kelly joins us. Aaron McIntyre joins us. Good news about school choice and some bad news about school choice. All that and more is coming up on I'm Right. There's a great line out there, and I can't believe I'm about to quote Jesse the Body Ventura on my show, but I believe it's his line. I'm almost positive. He said, if you always tell the truth, you don't need a memory. It's a good line, isn't it? If you always tell the truth, you don't even need a memory. It's a good line. Why don't communists tell the truth? Because they don't. Remember, communism, all of it, all of it is dependent on two things. Two things. You must lie. You cannot ever let people know exactly what you want, what you're really doing. And you also need your opponents to be apathetic, not really realize what's going on, which really goes back to the first one. You have to lie at all times. Why? Why do they always lie? Because everything they want is horrible. Everything communists want is horrible. It's important we understand and accept what we're up against. We've talked about this all the time on the show. We'll always talk about this. We're not dealing with, I don't even like using the term, although I'm sure I'm guilty of using it. I don't even like the term liberal. Because it sounds so benign, doesn't it? Kind of just like he's just kind of a flowery hippie. I'm just a liberal. No. You're dealing with people who are destroyers. Communists. They want to destroy everything you love. Because of that, 
They know they have to lie about that to keep you apathetic, to keep your neighbor, Normie Norm, asleep at the wheel. Hey, did you catch the game last night? You know they lied to you and continue to lie to you through their coordination with the private sector, right? You heard about this Missouri versus Biden case? Not that any of this is a surprise to you because you watch I'm Right, but wow, here's a little quote. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. What happened there? Well, what happened was a virus got to our shores, a new virus, and a real virus. Obviously, it wasn't near as deadly as they tried to tell us, but a very real virus got to our shores. And your government, my government, they embarked on a relentless campaign of lies. And it wasn't, it wasn't just that they were telling lies. It's that they were censoring and stopping anybody who told the truth. Anyone. Anyone who dared to present an opposite point of view from the government's party line, they worked, they coordinated with the private sector to smash these people. I'm not talking about China, Russia, Venezuela, Cuba. That took place in the United States of America. And not only did it take place, our tyrants, our communists are so brazen now they believe they can stand up in front of the American people and brag about doing these things on camera. Here was Jen Psaki back then. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with the Surgeon General. We're tracking disinformation. Do these people even hear themselves? How creepy and awful they sound? No, they don't. Because they're communists. They will always believe. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe the reason they're most dangerous is these people believe they're the good guy. When they look at you and tell you to shut up. When they delete your Facebook account for maybe questioning the vaccine. They do that, and they sit back with a smirk on their face and believe they're the good guys. But maybe the most frightening thing, and something we've talked about before on the show, maybe the most frightening thing that's happened in our government to reveal just how bad it is, was the FBI taking possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay, so they took possession of it. They knew all the felonies that were videotaped and pictured on the laptop. Okay, so now the FBI is in possession of hard evidence that Hunter Biden is a felon. This is when Joe Biden's running for president. He's not president yet, he's running for president. The FBI chooses to do nothing. That alone will be bad enough. That alone, I would argue, would warrant the shutdown of the state police agency, the secret state police, the FBI. That'll, ignoring something like that, especially in a campaign season, that alone would warrant shutting it down. But it wasn't just that they put the laptop in a, in a little drawer and slid it in there and just ignored it. Hey, guys, let's forget this thing's in here, huh? No, 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 no. The FBI found out that there was going to be a story on that laptop. 
And the FBI, instead of just ignoring it, turning a blind eye, they, well, don't take it from me. Take it from Mark Zuckerberg. Is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Hey, there's going to be some Russian disinformation coming down the pike. Oh, he had more to say. For the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. No, 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 no! We didn't didn't, didn't block it. It's just that a bunch a bunch of people didn't get to see it because we just kind of knocked the rankings down. We coordinated with the FBI to censor a story that would have made Joe Biden look bad when he was trying to be president. And yet the FBI still exists. And maybe you're already about peak outrage. Well, get ready, buckle up. Miranda Devine at the New York Post, great reporter at the New York Post. She's the one dropping all this stuff. Gal Luft, the whistleblower. Take a listen. But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. I told the DOJ that Hunter was closely associated with a very senior retire, retired FBI official. The information I provided the FBI in March of 2019 was fully corroborated nine months later when the famous laptop belonging to Hunter Biden which contained all the emails and receipts, was handed to the FBI. The FBI knew about, uh, from me, about the Biden CFC deals before they got hold of the laptop, way before. They had enough time to investigate the issue, but they didn't. But instead of showing appreciation for my whistleblowing, I became public enemy number one. The Federal Bureau of Investigation will end the United States of America if they're not stopped. You've heard me say that before. I just thought it would be a good time to bring that up again. It will end this nation if they are not stopped. All that may have made you very uncomfortable. I hope it did, but I am right. Speaking of the FBI, speaking of the DOJ, this is, this is just a little sample of what we have coming tonight on the show. There's all kinds of stuff. Our evil journalists, the evil DOJ, Matthew Graves, you're going to hear about him. We have good news and bad news about school choice. We have a great light in the mood. We have all that still to come tonight. Before we get to any of that, maybe as you're watching, I'm right. Maybe you got some aches and pains. Maybe it's your knees, happens. Ankles, elbows, shoulders, it happens. 
But what do we do when we get those little aches? We go, oh, honey, you got any ibuprofen? We do that, don't we? You think that's good for your liver, your body? Try Rev Relief, Revolutionary Relief. Roll it on. They also have gel caps for those internal aches and pains. The roll-ons, I, I, I keep one here at the studio. I keep one at the house. They're glorious. Sometimes my right knee hurts. Sometimes my left shoulder hurts. I take the roll-on, rub it on. No ibuprofen, and I'm good to go. And they are so confident you're going to love it, they let you try it for a month free. How about that? Go to revrelief.com slash free and get yours today. We'll be back. But the ruling itself is the opposite of judicial conservatism. This is one of the most aggressive, far-reaching rulings you'll ever see. What this judge is purporting to do is to micromanage, really, the day-to-day interactions between essentially the entire executive branch, all these agencies that are listed as defendants, and the leading social media companies. This is a very activist judicial opinion. The decision will be refined somewhat because government has to have the right to have its own free speech to push back when they see things on social media that they think are dangerous. It's not as though the FBI has been going in and saying, hey, take down this post, hey, take down this post. That's what they're alleging, but there's just not a lot of evidence to support that. And basically, we've had a situation where some politicians are making any contact between social media companies and the FBI or law enforcement seem probably in some way. And if you look at the reality, it's like the FBI is not very good at monitoring social media. Just look at what happened on January 6th. There are all of these warning signs, red flags going up all over the place, and they weren't prepared. They didn't do enough. But the idea that the government can't have any uh, communication with these social media companies, I don't think is something as really a world that we would want to live in. I can't count how many people have emailed or yelled at me that these people aren't communists at all. It, it makes me laugh. And it does remind me of this wonderful quote I read from time to time. I repeat it from time to time. It says, you don't hate journalists enough. You think you do, but you don't. And the man who authored that quote, Aaron McIntyre, joins me now, has a great show on The Blaze, which I highly recommend. Aaron, they're not even journalists. They're apparatchiks. It's not more complicated than that. They don't even really pretend to be journalists anymore. I think it's pretty clear to everyone who wants to pay attention that we're living in a media-run state. This is a state, and the state and the media are completely, you can't separate them. They work together, they scratch each other's backs, the media drives the state's agenda, the state uses the media as its way to, to force through different policies that otherwise would be restricted through the Constitution. And now we see the media encouraging the state to do the same thing with big tech, right? We see them taking places like Twitter, places like Facebook and saying, no, the government has the right to use those private corporations, quote unquote, to go ahead and censor the First Amendment rights of Americans. And we, the protectors of the First Amendment, theoretically, the journalist class, are, of course, 100% behind it. Aaron, I've had this argument with many many a friend, and I'm not sure which side I fall on, to be honest with you. Who runs who? I've had plenty of friends who say these, quote, journalists, they simply parrot whatever the regime wants them to. The regime sends out the talking points. The journalists dutifully obey. And then I've had other people argue very convincingly, it's actually the media who runs the government, that the government does the things the media wants. Who runs who? 
I think that the political theorist Curtis Yarvin has the best theory about this. He called it the cathedral. And what we basically have is a theocratic oligarchy. We don't have one specific head. We don't have one specific king. There isn't a cabal somewhere handing out specific orders. But what we have is a network of different institutions, all of which to hand out prestige and power. And they all share the same value, which is progressivism, is this radical leftward ide uh, left-leaning ideology. And because that value system is what's perpetuated in all of our institutions, all of our things like universities and media that hand out those kinds of high uh, kind of high status opportunities, this is what everyone parrots back. And so what you have is a kind of self-exciting feedback loop where one group tries to push the other further left and the other one tries to outflank them by going further left. And they just get more and more rabid as each one purity spirals them towards the next progressive goal. Purity spirals is such a great word. Jen Psaki went on TV and had this to say. It shouldn't come as any surprise that we're in regular touch with social media platforms. We are ma regularly making sure social media platforms are aware of the latest narratives dangerous to public health. Aaron, I don't understand that, I, that the answer to this question is almost undoubtedly no, but do you think any of these people, Saki, Jake Tapper, any of these people who speak like this, do you think they even grasp that they're the bad guy, they're the tyrant, that they're, they're what's wrong? No, nobody believes they're the bad guy. These people believe that they are doing the Lord's work. They are protecting the plebs from this horrible disinformation. They, they, they truly believe this 100%, that without their guidance, without their constant supervision and protection, the entire, uh, the entire United States would just descend into some kind of right-wing Taliban state. And they'll say this directly to your face, really, if you let them uh, go long enough. So no, they, of course they don't see themselves as the bad guys. Yes, they're pro-censorship. Yes, they're, pro they're in, you know, uh, for having corporations control the speech of the average citizen. But all of this is due to the highly scientific technocratic management that they all earned because they have those important college degrees. They're all singing from the same hymn sheet. It's just progressivism. Joanne Reed, the uh, witty, always sharp as attack, Joanne Reed went on TV and had this to say. I have to say, I did not go out on July 4th and would not. The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade or a big fireworks thing outside seems insane to me, to be blunt, in America. Because America is awash with guns and now people don't just have them. They seem to want to shoot people with them and use them for whatever. Aaron. Explain to me how we're supposed to ever get this country back when a large number of Americans, not just Moron Joy Ann Reed, live in a world entirely of make-believe. Am I supposed to step into that world of make-believe with them? If so, how deep am I supposed to step? What am I supposed to do with that person? Yeah, this, this is unfortunately a very difficult question for those who are still pretty invested in the idea of the marketplace of ideas and winsome arguments that pull people across the aisle and unite the United States. It's becoming very clear that there is just a complete conflict of moral visions here, that there are two worldviews that simply cannot coincide. And when that is the case, of course, you now move to a very different strategy. It's, that's why 
each side is working their hardest to kind of uh, grab what's left of the middle because they understand they're never going to actually compel the majority of the United States to kind of go along with what they're doing. And this is also why you, why you see each side constantly framing every uh, every election in existential terms. Because turning over the, the vast apparatus of the United States government to someone who completely disagrees with you on everything when it comes to your worldview and your morality becomes increasingly dangerous. Neither side wants to do it. You have a great piece out on your Substack saying the only way out is through. What are you talking about? So I think, and this is a part of a much longer project, uh, the Total State book, which will be coming out here. But I think we're in a paradigm shift. We're going to be seeing the end of an epoch. We're going to be seeing a different way that states organize, a different way that governance or governments organize, a different way that people kind of understand the nature of politics and constitutions and those kind of things. And I think that's coming because we can see the current system in collapse right now. We can see again how impossible it is for one side to think that another is it's okay to hand them power after winning an election. We can already see how willing the left is to discard every bit of the constitution, to ignore every ruling from the Supreme Court. Harvard already joking about how they're basically just going to completely ignore the latest ruling from the Supreme Court on affirmative action. The left is willing to break all of these rules. They're not going to put people in prison. They're not going to enforce the law. When you're in that situation, things can't continue the way they're going. And what that means is that we're going to have to prepare ourselves for a situation where uh, we're probably going to be going through some difficult times. And we're not going to be able to avoid them because they're the consequence of decisions we have already made. All the easy choices are far behind us. Those off-ramps, they're all behind us. And now the only way out is through this difficult time. And that means that uh, there, there's going to be some hard lessons to learn for the right. But if we can continue to focus on what we need to get done, there is a way through. It just isn't anything easy. Well, how do we get through? Well, I think you have pointed out, uh, you know, the, the possibility of national divorce. Now, I don't think that that's something that will ever happen formally. As you've pointed out many times, it's increasingly difficult for people to, to understand how they're going to share a country with each other. And while I don't think anyone's ever going to come by and say, hey, the United States is over, it's officially devolved, there's been some kind of secession, I do think there is a real situation where people are going to start sorting themselves. We're already seeing it now, people moving to Florida, moving to Texas, moving to Tennessee, trying to uh, escape the progressive madness. And I think as those states start to get redder, as more and more people who are ideologically aligned and share values start to relocate to those areas, you can see people pushing back. You can start to see people like Governor DeSantis and others taking a stand against the corruption of Washington and saying, we're simply not going to comply with things that are unconstitutional, no matter what the pressure is from the federal government. And right now they're doing those in small ways. We saw those pushbacks during COVID and that kind of things. But as we see the federal government become more and more poisonous and the ideology of progressivism become more and more of a civilizational deconstruction mechanism, the the you know the only answer is going to be saying no to this stuff and i think again as those uh different states start becoming redder as they start solidifying their moral vision and their ability to stand up against this kind of stuff you might see a way through to a place where we get a more regional government a more uh, a government that can again have that uh, ideological alignment 
that can have a shared moral vision that's no longer subject to the whims of DC. Well, I agree with you 100%. Aaron, you're the best man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Julie Kelly is going to join us next and talk about more D.C. insanity, possibly even more trouble coming for Trump with this latest news before we get to Julie Kelly. Let's talk about what do we do with our money in a situation like Aaron just talked about? Okay, so we are separating. We are. It sucks. It is what it is, but we are. What happens with the dollar? What happens? They won't stop spending money. What's going to happen with the market? It's going to be crazy. It'll be awful. It's going to be crazy. Gold will still be there and valuable. Silver will still be there and will be valuable. How do I know? I know this because the history of the world tells me that gold and silver will always be valuable. Always. Let Oxford Gold send you some. They'll send you gold or silver to your front door. Even better, they'll get it into your 401k and IRA. So while these people throw mud at each other and blow up the market, you'll be okay. All you have to do is make a phone call. Oxford Gold makes it easy, super laid back. Just call them. 833-995-GOLD. Tell them I told you to call. They'll take care of you. I promise. 833-995-GOLD. We'll be back. By July 6th, because of the allegations from the IRS, because of the whistleblowers and the DOJ, are, are Garland, what he is saying and what David Weiss are saying privately are two different things. Right. And if it comes true what the IRS whistleblower is saying, we're going to start impeachment inquiries on the Attorney General. Well, it... Ooh, man, that is awesome. I am excited about that. The crackdown from Merrick Garland is coming if he doesn't step up to the plate. And he only has... Until July 6th. Hmm, hold on, let me... That's today. Huh. Joining me now, my friend Julie Kelly. I want you to go check out her Substack, which I love, called Declassified. Go subscribe to that. Julie, now maybe my phone's wrong. I, my, my watch also says it's the 6th. Julie, is my calendar wrong? It, it, it could be. You know, Washington, they're on their own time zone. So who knows, yeah. you know, maybe he meant July 60th. I, I, I don't know. It's hard, hard to say. But yeah, I'm sure Merrick Garland is terrified, shake, quaking in his, in his loafers, his slippers. Uh, what do we make so far? Now, I'm obviously not a huge fan. I, I doubt very much you're a huge fan. But what do we make so far of what Kevin McCarthy has done? What, why, you know what? Let's simplify that question. What has Kevin McCarthy done? Well, look, I do want to commend Kevin McCarthy and his office because they have given me access to the January 6th footage. Okay. Um, so I am very grateful for that. They've also opened it up to other journalists. I think that they're trying to work on a system to make it publicly available. I will tell you, Jesse, and to your viewers, and you know no one has pushed harder for this since May of 2021 than I have. Once I had a chance to look at the footage, look at the system, hundreds of cameras at different angles, a lot of the footage had nothing really to do with the events of that day. Um, I see how complicated it is, and there's a lot of legal wrangling as well. 
well. But I will say, and I posted some video on my Substack earlier this week, I have more to come. And what the American people are going to see in your viewers it is really alarming. I was looking at more footage yesterday and I, I just can't believe what I, what I saw. Um, so I will commend Speaker McCarthy. His office has been very accommodating to me and others for that. Um, but I, you know, I share your frustration, the empty threats about holding anyone in this regime accountable uh, for the abuse of power, not just against Donald Trump um, and protecting Hunter Biden, but as you know, the more than 1,000 Trump supporters who have been arrested and, and face criminal charges for the events of January 6th. Julie, it's been six months. Christopher Ray is going to, you know, he's going before the Judiciary Committee next week. Uh, last time he went before the Senate Judiciary Committee, he told Chuck Grassley to speed things up because he had to go on vacation. Uh, are we are we going to see anything? Now, I'm 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 not trying to be a rabid Wolverine here. I understand some things take time. I understand there's a process. At the end of this process, are we going to see something? Because here's what I'm worried about, Julie. I'm worried we're going to get the standard GOP line when we get to the end of it. Well, we can't do this before the election. That's all they ever say. Right. So they have the power of public accountability, which some of these hearings, and I do think people like Jim Comer, the House Oversight Committee chairman, has been very successful in, in producing some really bombshell evidence related to the uh, Biden crime family. But they also have the power of the purse. And we have yet to see any uh, legislation or plans to really drastically cut funding to these agencies, especially the Department of Justice, the DC US Attorney's Office, Matthew Graves, who is now under fire for helping to bury Hunter Biden's tax crimes from 2014 and 2015 that occurred in his jurisdiction in Washington, DC, um, or specifically the FBI. As you know, Jesse, last year, 18 Republican senators voted to give the Department of Justice a more than $3 billion raise that included nearly $600 million for the FBI. Christopher Wray next week is going to come hat in hand asking for yet another raise, claiming that domestic violent extremists, i.e. Trump supporters, uh, with this growing caseload of January 6th and now the made up you know, Obama stalker that we have this week, that new revelation, another looks like another FBI or government uh, entrapment scheme that he's gonna want more money. And you know that there are Republicans on Capitol Hill who will fork over more money to Christopher Ray, Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, and Matthew Graves. Okay, let's actually focus on the Graves portion before we get to the Toronto portion because Fatima Graves, Sounds like she might be related to Matthew, and this lady appears to check in the White House every five minutes. She's visited it 28 times. What's going on? Yeah, so there's Fatima Gossgraves. She is the president and CEO of a $100 million nonprofit, very powerful one in DC, called uh, the National Women's Law Center. She is taking a leading role in the coordinated effort to oust Clarence Thomas from the Supreme Court. Um, but shortly after her husband, Matthew Graves, was confirmed by the Senate after being appointed by Joe Biden in November of 2021, uh, Ms. Goss Graves got what I call an almost all access pass to the White House. She has been, she's on visitor logs, being inside uh, the Biden White House at least 28 times 
since January of 2021, including at least five times in March of 2022. That is the same month that this uh, IRS whistleblower said that Matthew Graves uh, declined to prosecute or consider charges against Hunter Biden. So what it looks like, Jesse, is that Fatima Goss Graves is being rewarded with access to the president, to the vice president, Kamala Harris, to her staff, to top administration officials, um, as her husband is ramping up, accelerating uh, this criminal case against January 6th protesters, the indictment of Trump uh, associates such as Steve Bannon. And so she has been at the Biden White House an average of once a month since Joe Biden became president. Uh, and so I cover this in my Substack. There will be a lot more that I'm going to reporting, be reporting about both the Graveses and their ties to this uh, radical left-wing nonprofit and their effort to get Tom Clarence Thomas removed from the Supreme Court. That's wonderful. What a, what a great government we have here. Okay, now let's, let's do the Jen Psaki and circle back here, Julie. This Toronto fella who's apparently, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Toronto, Toronto, appears to be, he's in quite a bit of trouble for this January 6th stuff. What happened there? Yes, so Taylor Toronto is the man who now stands accused of basically stalking the Obamas. You have Matthew Graves, the DCUS attorney, who after two and a half years of the FBI surveilling this man, finally arrested him on the four common misdemeanor charges uh, on June 29th. What Matthew Graves attempted to do is blame Donald Trump for posting the Obama's public address in Washington, D.C., by the way, on, on Truth Social on the 28th of June. This was part of a lengthy article from 2017 that talked about Trump's uh, initial achievements in office. Matthew Graves blamed Donald Trump for posting the Obama's address, and then this man apparently was in the uh, Calorama neighborhood in Washington, D.C., allegedly stalking the Obamas and other elected officials. But Jesse, this is starting to sound a little bit like the Whit Whitmer Fednapping hoax and other FBI entrapment operations that we know Christopher Ray is responsible for. And that is why has the FBI been surveilling this man for two and a half years, not charging him until the last minute waiting to spring some sort of accusation against Donald Trump inciting violence and using this man as the conduit, I guarantee you, as this court uh, proceedings continue in this case, that we're going to find out numerous FBI confidential human sources informants were tied to this man in group chats or telegram communications, just like we saw in the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers trials. So this is all part of this setup. Christopher Ray, Merrick Garland, the Biden regime, Matthew Graves to make it look like these Trump supporters are deranged domestic terrorists who want to take out uh, Democratic politicians. And so uh, that that's uh, the big bombshell this week. Julie, I, finally, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist here, but you don't think this is an effort to roll up Trump on even heftier charges from this Jack Smith indictment that's coming in D.C. You don't think this indictment is part of that indictment, do you? Well, it, it could be. You know, I mean, I think you're way out there on the conspiracy theory ledge there, Jesse. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Jack Smith, he is a legendary prosecutor at The Hague. You know, he does <laughs> yes. things very carefully. He's not going to concoct any charges against Donald Trump. So, um, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. 
Oh, of course. Of course. Go subscribe to her Substack. Julie, I love you. Come back soon. I get you, Jesse. Thanks. All right. We have good news. Ready for some good news? Put a smile on your face. School choice spreading across the country. Corey DeAngelis is going to join us next and discuss that. Now, let's discuss something else that's wonderful. I know you love your dog. What if, you know, you know, we all get, what, 10, 11, 12 years with our dog. What if you could have 14, 15 years? Would you like some extra years with your dog? And not just extra years, healthier years. If you have a lethargic dog, maybe some more energy. Get some shine back in that coat, better breath, digestive issues. You know that Rough Greens is an all-natural nutritional supplement for your dog. You pour it on your dog's food because there's no nutrition in dog food. Vitamins, minerals, omega oils, probiotics. Would you live longer if you got nutrition in you versus none? Yeah, so would your dog. Go get a free jumpstart trial bag at roughgreens.com slash jesse, all right? roughgreens.com slash jesse. We'll be back. I know education is big to you. One of the ways that you're addressing it is providing some school choice vouchers. That's not going over so well with some people in your state. What would you say to them as to why you think it's important? Well, let me just say in general, um, I believe every child of God deserves a shot here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And one of the best ways we can guarantee their success is making sure every child has a quality education. Uh, I've been very clear that I'm open to that concept that you described a moment ago, but I've also made crystal clear that I won't take a dollar out of our public schools in order to achieve that. That's awesome. Josh Sapiro supporting school choice. That is exciting stuff. Joining me now, I'm sure he's a big fan, Corey DeAngelis. He is the author of the book Mediocrity. Corey, great news about Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, huh? Uh, well, you would think that was just uh, under two weeks ago. He went on Fox News supporting school choice, and now he's promising to veto his own campaign promise. That's right. Right <laughs> in his education platform, right before the election, he included Lifeline scholarships, which is the same form of school choice that now he's saying he is going to veto. And he's trying to blame it on the House Democrats. But look, he's supposed to be in charge in Pennsylvania. He's the governor not the majority leader in the House. The Senate already passed the bill. He should have been able to get it done, but he's doing, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too by trying to uh, play to the parent lobby and play to the teacher's lobby at the same time. But we're not stupid. Um, it looks like he doesn't, he doesn't uh, really want all children of God to have an opportunity at education. If he did, he could get it done. What is, what's the popularity of school choice in Pennsylvania? I'm not naive. I don't think Pennsylvania is a red state, but I do think most parents, most parents love their children. So I would assume this would be a popular issue kind of across the board. It's a no-brainer po uh, popularity issue when it comes to school choice across party lines. In Pennsylvania, latest morning consult polling has found over 70% of parents with school-aged ch children support forms of school choice, either in the forms of vouchers or education savings accounts. So it's wildly popular. This was a dumb move by uh, Shapiro politically because it's very popular among parents, among voters. And then now he's, he's lying to the voters. Voters don't like liars, and they don't like hypocrites either. Josh 
Shapiro went to private school, sent all his kids to private school, and now he's closing the schoolhouse door right behind him and not allowing less advantaged families that are stuck in failing government schools right now to have the same kind of opportunities he had for his kids. And the worst part about it is he's trying to uh, have he's trying to play it both ways. He's trying to say he supports parents so that he, he can um, quell the the parent outrage while really just caving to the teachers unions. They they gave him hundreds of thousands Corey, of I dollars in 2022, and this is what it's all about. I think they gave him about six or seven hundred thousand uh, dollars to his campaign last year. Corey, I understand it's basic stuff for you, but for people who don't quite understand it, what is a school choice voucher? What is it? <laughs> yeah, the money that would have followed your kid to the government-run school. In Pennsylvania, they spend over $20,000 per student per year in their government-run schools that are failing students. In, Pen in Philadelphia, for example, they, they spend, I want to say, over $25,000 per student per year. A portion of that funding, if you're stuck in that failing school, would follow that child in the form of a voucher to pay for private school tuition and fees which on average costs a lot less than what they're spending in the government-run schools in Pennsylvania. So it gives more families access to private school options, particularly ones who are stuck in failing schools who don't have the income to be able to pay out of pocket for private school tuition and fees, in addition to paying through the property tax system and other revenue sources for the government-run schools. Now, hold on. You just said the private schools costs less these fancy private schools why would it be cheaper to send a child to private school that doesn't make any sense because they have to compete in the free market uh the government schools they just continue to raise taxes over and over again whenever they fail they could use that as an excuse for why they need more money we saw this with covid school closures they said we were closed because we don't have enough money even though in some places they were already spending again over 20 dollars per student they can always use their failures whether in terms of not reopening or in terms of failing academic scores to call for more money. In the private sector, with the Catholic schools and other private schools, they they families can vote with their feet and take their money somewhere else. So they either have to up their game or close down. But if you go to a private school, then you won't have access to the teachers union's summer reading list that includes such hits oh. this year as Gender Queer and White Fragility. My, my kid can't even get that book, Corey. Oh, man, it's so terrible, right? I mean, th this is a good thing that the, the private schools are more likely, at least, to focus on the basics, math, reading, writing. If you look at the latest Nations Report Card scores, Catholic schools did not find any statistically significant losses in math or reading. These uh, nation Report Card school, uh, scores just came out. But the government-run schools lost decades of learning in both, sec in both subjects. Uh, they were closed longer. They're focusing on political indoctrination at a larger scale. And um, more families should have access to private schools if they like. That's a fact. Corey, thank you, my brother. Keep going. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks so much, Jesse. All right. We have light in the mood still to come. A little clash between man and nature. Who do you think is going to win? You'll have to wait and see. Before we get to that, maybe man would have a better track record fighting nature if his testosterone levels were higher. It's a, it's a problem. We joke about it, but it's a problem. 50 years, in the last 50 years, testosterone levels have been cut in half. That's, that's unbelievable.
you realize that none of the rest of the stuff we talk about, nothing, legislation, elections, none of it matters because the society can't go on with T-levels dropping like that. Chalk is trying to change it, naturally. Natural herbal supplements, but it's way more than the male vitality stack for fellas or the female vitality stack. Endless, natural herbal supplements. Drop the freaking pill bottle. Go to chalk.com and see what they have. It's incredible. It's life-changing. It really is. Find something. Get it for 90 days. Get a subscription for 90 days. If you don't feel better, I want you to cancel it. They they don't make it hard, believe me. 90 days. Get a subscription because they're 35% off. CHOQ.com, promo code JESSE. All right? We'll be back. Darn, that it's time to lighten the mood. And very few things brighten the mood more than man getting into various conflicts with nature. And so we're about to bring you one of those. Before we do that, you're in a conflict with nature. Your allergies. I know what it's like. Even my dog gets allergies. Well, used to get allergies. Because Houston's terrible for them. You wake up every single day, you roll over, you grab your phone, you check the weather, and there's an air quality alert. It's terrible down here. I don't have allergies anymore. First time in my life I am allergy-free. No, I don't have some new big pharma pill I'm trying to sell you. I have Eden Pure Thunderstorms, the greatest air purifier ever. I keep them everywhere, where I sleep, where my son sleeps. They're in the kitchen. They're right here. There's one about five feet away from me right now in the studio. I I have like nine of these things. They're miracles. Go get a three-pack of them. They sell three packs, $200 off. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE for your three-pack today, all right? All right. Paddleboarders and dolphins. Hey, paddleboarders, get out of the way. <laughs> it just murders me every time. Alright, let's see you tomorrow. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. 
In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 